The following message is presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Now the message. Let me ask you to imagine something. Put your feet in Joshua's sandals and listen to what the Lord says. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you take over and lead Israel. How would you like to have that assignment? Moses, my servant, is dead. You lead them into the promised land. Well, I have an idea that Joshua was shaking any sandals. How in the world? Can I do that? It's not possible for me to fill the shoes or sandals of Moses. God knew that he was scared to death. And so in the beginning of the book of Joshua, four times you'll hear God saying to him, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, be courageous. As I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And in that passage of Scripture that God spoke to Joshua, He gave him some keys to success. How would you define success? Well, for some of us, it's how much money we have in the bank. Or how well we have done in our position at work. Or if you're athletic, how many titles have we won? Or how many touchdowns or runs have we scored? If it's on social media, how many followers do I have? How do you measure success? Would you believe that God intends for His people to be successful? Success is a good thing, but maybe the way we measure success in our society and the way God may measure success are not the same. Let me give you my definition for followers of Christ. Success is when we know the will of God for our life and we accomplish it. Let me say that again. I think it's important. Success for the believer is to know the will of God for his or her life and to accomplish that will. Well, how do we do that? Well, I'm not sure, but I think in the message that God gave to Joshua, we can find some keys to success that God gave him. And if they apply to Joshua, maybe they apply to me. And to you, and not only to us individually, but to the church collectively. If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, turn to Joshua chapter 1. And let me, while you're finding Joshua chapter 1, give you the context in which I think this passage of Scripture was written. Moses had led the Israelites for some 40-something years. He had gone up on the mountain... 
never to return again. The Israelites were camped on the western side of the Jordan River. I've been to Mount Nebo several times. And I've been there where Moses went but did not return. He died somewhere on the mountain and God buried him, the scripture says. And when the Israelites knew and mourned the death of Moses, God came to speak to them. Joshua, you're to take control. You're to lead. And I have an idea that God had been preparing him for this task more years than he remembered, for he had been with Moses, and he now was to take over the leadership of the nation. There were only two men, two people, that had been born in Egypt that survived long enough to go into Israel. Did you know that? Joshua and Caleb. The rest of the Israelites that had been born in Egypt had died during that 40-something years. And these two, Joshua and Caleb, made it. We have a lot of information that give us some indications of how God was preparing Joshua for the task that he was going to assign him to. And by the way, when God gives your life a task, he will also provide for you what you need to accomplish that task. Are you with me? When God assigns you a task, he is in the process of preparing you for that task regardless of what it is. Let me give you some examples in Joshua's life. He was born in Egypt, as I said. He was there to experience the ten plagues. The night the death angel came through and all the firstborn animals and sons were killed, Joshua was there. He was with the Israelites when they marched out of Egypt. He was there when they got to the Red Sea. And when they looked backward, they saw the dusk of the army of Israel coming, trapped between the army and the Red Sea. But he also saw Moses lift up the rod of God in the Dead Sea. The Red Sea parted and they walked through on dry ground. He was one of those. He saw as they turned backward and they saw the, the Egyptian army on the same path that they had just walked, saw the waters close against them. He was there. He was there in the wilderness. He was there when they got hungry and God provided manna. He was there when they were thirsty and God provided water, some of it from a rock. He was there all of those 40 years and God was preparing him because he was there when most of that had happened. Not only that, the scripture says in uh, Exodus chapter 17 verse 9 that he was the one who Moses asked to go fight the Amalekites. You remember that story? Moses and Aaron were there, and two had to hold up Moses' arms so that when they were held up, Israel was winning, and when they got tired and fell down, they were falling, and so Aaron and Hur held up the arms. It was Joshua who was leading the army. In Exodus chapter 30 or 24 verse 13, he is called the servant of Moses. He walked beside him. 
He ministered to Moses. He was there on most of the occasions in Moses' life. In fact, he was there on Mount Sinai when God wrote the law with his own finger. Joshua was there 40 days with Moses getting the law of God. He was there while Aaron and the other priests were making golden calves to worship Joshua was fasting and praying because he was there with Moses. He knew what it was to be in the very presence of God. In Numbers chapter 13 verse 16, his name is changed from Oshua, which means salvation, to Joshua. Jehovah is my salvation. He had a name change because he was following the Lord. And in Deuteronomy 34 verse 9 through 12, It says he was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses had laid his hands on him. Can you see how God was helping this young man mature and grow in faith and be prepared to lead the Israelites? God always prepares his people by the experiences of their life so that they can accomplish what he wants them to accomplish. And here he is. Be strong. And courageous, God says. And I'll be with you just like I was with Moses. God is a great God to do that. Now that's the context in which Joshua chapter 1 is written. Let me read the first nine verses and see in it three marvelous keys for success because God wanted him to be successful and I think God wants us to be successful as well. Listen to the word. Joshua chapter 1 verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land that I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness of this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and the great sea toward the going down of the sun, that's the Mediterranean Sea, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For this, uh, for to this people you shall divide an inheritance, the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Heaven that I commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I love that because God is encouraging him and us not to be afraid, but to accomplish his purposes for us. Well, what are the keys? What do you see in this passage of Scripture that would guarantee that he would be successful? And if I follow them, I would be successful as well. I think the first thing that jumps to my mind is 
We need to trust in God's promises. Verses 1 through 5, God repeats that several times. Keep my promises. Keep my word. Why were these promises given? Why do you think God needed to reemphasize this several times to Joshua? I think, first of all, to encourage him. As I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. What an encouragement. Joshua had seen multiple times that God had guided Moses, had given him wisdom, had given him strength, had given him all wisdom and all the kinds of things that he needed. And Joshua was hearing God say, just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. What an encouragement that is. Did you know that all of us need encouragement? The greatest encouragement can come when people speak positive things into our life. We need that from our school teachers. We need that from our coaches. Most of all, we need that from our parents. And parents need to be encouragers. I read an interesting story about uh, Rossetti, a famous poet and artist in the 19th century. He was approached one time by an elderly man, and the elderly man asked Rossetti if he would evaluate some sketches that he had. He wanted to know if there was any possibility of this young artist or this artist being successful as an artist. So Rossetti looked at them, and the sketches, he said, well, there's not much value at all in these. And he had to be honest and say, I I don't think there's any possibility that this artist can ever make it. And the older man looked disappointed. And not wanting to take too much time from Rossetti, he He said, I I appreciate your time, but let me ask you to look at just a few more of these. And he handed him another set of drawings. When Ross said he looked at that, he, he was amazed. These were really good. These were, were probably going to be an artist that would change the world. And, and he said, who is the artist here? Is this your son? The older man shook his head and said, no. These are mine when I was young. If I had heard your words of encouragement when I was young, I would not have given up in disappointment. Rossetti knew, and I know, that if this young man had been encouraged, he could have become a great artist. We need encouragement. I think that's why God was speaking to Joshua like he did. Let me encourage you. The promises that I made to Moses, I'm going to make to you. I was with Moses. I will be with you. We need to be encouraged as well. What promises, what promises do you know that you can claim that says God's going to be with you in whatever task he assigns you? Not only was those promises given to encourage him, but to remind Joshua of all the things that he had experienced. Can you imagine Joshua's life? We don't know how old he was. Forty years in the wilderness. Was he a teenager when they exited from Egypt? We don't know. But he was probably a young man in his 50s, if not in his 60s. And here he is 
hearing the voice of God saying, I will be with you like I was with Moses, the leader. And all of the things that he had experienced must have gone through his mind. God was reminding him of God's faithfulness, just like we have been reminded as we sang that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Well, if we are to be successful, we've got to trust in the promises of God. I see another truth here. Another key. We've got to trust in God's plan. Joshua wasn't sure when they crossed the Red Sea what God's plan was. But as he grew and as they walked and as they stayed all the years in the wilderness, he began to see that God had a plan for them. I am convinced that God has a plan for you and for me and for this church. What do we have that gives us God's plan? Well, according to what God said to Joshua, we have his word. We need to possess his word. As I gave the word to Moses and he gave it to you, have it, process it, use it. I gave it, you need it. And God's word is the foundation of our faith. We need to possess the word of God. He says this word is to be in your mouth. I think that means you need to proclaim it. When God gives us a message, when God gives us a word, we not only need to have it in our heart, we need to share it with other people. We need to possess it. We need to proclaim it. We need to speak the word of truth and to live the word of truth. We also need to practice God's word. I see that in the word meditate on it, day and night. What's it mean to meditate, to mull over it, to think about it? I've never had a cow, wasn't raised on a farm, but I've read about a a cow chewing its cud. Do they? Graze, lay down in the shade if they can find it, and chew. Over and over and over again. What are they doing? They have more stomachs than I do, even though I look like I've got more than I need. They regurgitate that, and they chew on it to get all of the nourishment from it. And as they do, that nourishment strengthens them and becomes a part of their life. That's the picture that I get when God says to Joshua, take this word and meditate on it, chew on it, think about it, let it So fill your soul, your body, that you are motivated to live the Word of God. Now let me ask you, how well are we doing? How many of you have been in church over 40 years? How many of you have been in church 50 years or 60? How many Sunday school lessons have you listened to? How many good sermons have you heard? Probably not very many, but just think about it. You've had some good pastors and good evangelists and other people who preached. Well, how much do you remember? How much do you remember from last week? Do you ever 
meditate during the week what you heard on the Lord's Day? Are we listening? If God speaks to you in a Bible study class or in a worship service, the only value you get from that is when you meditate on it, when you think about it, when you put it into practice in your life. Now let me ask you this. How many of you sent your children to school or to college without a textbook? How many are here today without a textbook? How many of you sent your child to school without a pen or a pencil and paper to take notes on? If we have been in church 30, 40, 50, 60 years, you've heard enough good lessons in Sunday school and sermons that have been preached to you and God spoke to you. If you had been taking notes, you would have a commentary on almost every book in the Bible. But when we do not do what God said to Joshua, we lose it. We forget most of it. Oh, how we ought to hunger for the Word of God. And when God reveals something to us in our personal Bible study or in a group Bible study or in a worship service, we need to hang on to it. That's what God says about His Word. I have given it to you. Moses wrote it down. Put it in your mind. Meditate it in your heart. Put it into practice. Speak it. Live it. And when we do that, We have the key to success. God spoke to Joshua. And he speaks to me. We need to practice trusting in God's word. Well, if we're to be successful, I think key number one is to trust in God's promises. We need to trust in God's plan for our life. We need to trust in God's provision. Let me read verse 9 again. The last verse that I read a moment ago. Listen. Have not I commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What's he saying? I'm going to be with you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to help you. Now, God doesn't walk physically with us like he walked with Moses. He doesn't walk physically with us when Jesus was with the disciples for those three years of ministry. But we have the presence of God available to us, first of all, in his word. We can take the word of God with us wherever we go. We have the presence of God and the promises of God in his word. We quote often from Hebrews 13 where the writer says, God will never leave us nor forsake us. We even sing a hymn based upon that, do we not? No, never alone. No, never alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. And that's what God is saying to Joshua. 
I will be with you and my word will go with you. The word of God says. It's like a lamp to our feet. And a light to our path. It's like. Trust in the Lord with all your might and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. We have God's provision in His Word. We have God's provision in His will. What's God's will for His followers? Have you ever thought about that? Romans eight twenty nine. most of us can quote, or verse 28, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. You know that verse. But the conclusion of that is in verse 29. God wants us to be conformed to the image of His Son. God wants you and me to be like Jesus. God wants us to have the heart, the compassion, the care, like Jesus did. And he's not through with us until we become like Christ. God has a purpose for your life to be like Christ. He has a plan for your life. And that plan, I think, is summarized beautifully in one of my favorite verses, Ephesians 2.10. After Paul says, For by grace are you saved through faith, he comes to verse 10 and says, For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. What does that mean? Before you were ever created, before you were ever a child born on this world, I think God knew who you were going to be. And he outlined in his mind what would be your goal in life and that was to accomplish his purposes. God before ordained that we should walk in them. That is a mind-boggling thought for me. That God knew who my parents would be. He knew where I would grow up. He knew the people that I would be associated with. And through all of that, God had a purpose for my life. But God has a purpose for your life too. He knows how you can be successful. And remember, definition of success, to know the will of God and to accomplish it. We're not there yet. But we need to work on what God wants us to accomplish. We have the will of God. We also have the walk with God. As I was with Moses so will I be with you. That's all we really need to know, isn't it? God is with me. Oh, God is with me. God is with you. He wants you to be successful. And success is to accomplish His purposes for us. (coughs) Excuse me. These keys are for every person that God creates. They are for me. They're for you. But not only does it apply to us individually, I think it applies to us collectively. God wants the church to be successful. 
to fulfill the five promises that we talked about last Sunday and Wednesday night. God wants us to accomplish what His purpose for the church is. Fellowship and worship and discipleship and evangelism and ministry and missions. If that be the driving force for God creating the church, then how well are we allowing God to accomplish that in us and through us? We must be committed to the things of God, His purpose and His plan, if we're going to be successful in this life. Joshua, don't be shaking in your sandals. Believe what God says to be true. Bo Owens, don't be shaking in your shoes. Believe what God says, and it can happen. Same thing for you. Well, what is God's plan? We've got to trust His promises, His plan, and His provisions. And it'll be successful. It'll be enough. One of my favorite preachers who died several years ago is D.L. Lowry. You've probably never heard of him. At one time, he was pastor at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, then First Baptist Church in Lubbock, served in the Texas Evangelism Department for a long time, and then went back to First Baptist uh, in Lubbock. When he was in seminary at Fort Worth, he pastored a little church in Weatherford, Texas. And in one of his sermons, he talked about a deacon in that church, a very, very faithful man. The deacon and he did a lot of things together, visiting, for instance. The deacon was diagnosed with cancer, and he knew he didn't have long to live, but when he was feeling better, he and D.L. Lowry went to visit. And while they were in the car together going to a home to visit, he said, Pastor, let me ask you a question. What am I going to say to Jesus when I meet him face to face? What do you mean? Well, he said, when I was a young man, just got married, had my first child or two, I knew God wanted me to go to seminary and to study music so I could be a music director in a church. And pastor, I made an agreement with God. I need a job that I can support my family and go to school. Moved to Fort Worth and got a good job. In fact, the job might have been too good. He began to work, was promoted, and he never, ever went to seminary. He was a faithful church member. He was a deacon, taught Sunday school. But preacher, what am I going to say? When I stand before the Lord... I have not done what he wanted me to do. What would you say to that man? Or probably more appropriately, what would you think you're going to say to the Lord when we stand before him and he says, you did some good things, but what I really wanted you to do was You didn't do it. What will you say to Jesus 
when we stand before him and we give an account of the life that he's given us. Do you want to hear well done, good and faithful servant? Enter into your rest? Or do you want to hear and see sadness in the eyes of our Savior because we were busy with other things and did not do what he called and equipped us to do? A follower of Christ is successful to the degree that he knows the will of God and accomplishes it. God wants us to be successful. But success is measured in how we fulfill his purpose for our life. How well are we doing? God didn't call everybody to be a preacher, and I know you're glad about that. Our music leader. God may have called you to be a teacher or an encourager or a good witness at work. Whatever his call and task for you is, that's what we need to dedicate our lives to. Let's do it. Bow with me as we pray. And as in a moment we sing the hymn of invitation, maybe God will be dealing with you about something in your life that needs to be resolved or some call that you need to follow up on. It is never too late to say yes to the Lord. While we sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus, may we do just that. Father, thank you for the words of encouragement that you gave to Joshua. They're words that I need, words that we need to hear to be strong and courageous, not to be afraid, but to follow the leadership of the Lord in our life. You provide for us. You give us the things that we need to accomplish your purposes. Empower us to be what you want us to be. To stand before you one day when we cast our crowns at your feet and hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. If there's a person in need today to make a commitment to renew their faith, to trust Jesus as their Savior, whatever you call us to do, May we be bold in saying yes to you. Help us to turn our eyes upon you fully and faithfully. I pray in Jesus' name. Would you stand and as we sing, maybe you would come and respond to God's invitation. The preceding message was presented by First Baptist Church in Manny, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ, are about the church, including contact information, go to the website www.fbcmany.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.